a lot of my baking experiments do not make it to Instagram, but that was one where it was just like, yeah, barbecue sauce cookies. These are delicious. And everybody who's had them agrees. They're like, oh yeah, I get it now. It just is like kind of a spicy cookie. Like, it's not the vibe. Stop! Well, well, well. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. This is another episode of the Scoped Exposure Podcast. Um, this episode of the Scoped Exposure Podcast is all Alberta, baby. Uh, I am joined by someone that I see really flying the Edmonton Harker fl- flag, um, you know, the the strongest and for the longest amount of time, definitely. Um, Maddie from Vibes, thank you so much for j- jumping on the show with me, my guy. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I've been giving a little bit of context as to why I'm having, um, you know, certain guests on the show, especially for the people that might not know who you are. Um, Maddie and I have, I think, been running in similar circles uh, for the last like five years at the very least. I remember the very first time I saw Vibes was at the um, Southern Alberta Hardcore Fest back in 2016. Yeah. And, you know, like, I think... You know, it's so funny how the culture shifts and, you know, like the word vibe has just like gone, uh, risen in popularity, but you guys were, you know, a band for already so long, even at that time. And so even just seeing your band play, you know, the odd show in Calgary, the odd show in Edmonton, um, and to see the consistency in the band, uh, music wise, the band's message and the the moral standing that you have with a lot of things. Uh, it was it was no doubt apparent that I wanted to have you on the show eventually. And, you know, with the band's new record that just came out, Baseball Bat to the World's End, um, seems like no better time to uh, to have you on the podcast. So here we are. Excellent. Excellent. Well, geez, when you put it like that, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, so Maddie, we're going to be chatting about the new record. We're going to be chatting about uh, the stuff that you're involved in. Uh, but we have to check some bevs before we get into the meat of the episode. Um, so it's tradition for the guests to go first and showcase what they got. So tell me what you're going to be stepping on for the episode. Okay. Well, it, you know, it might seem simple, but I got a coffee here in a a German mug that's, you know, very beautiful depicting a winter scene. But, uh, you know, for me, coffee... Do you want to, do you want to show yeah. the mug for yeah. the, for the video folks? Yeah, look at that. Oh, that's, you know, for, you who's, know who says Christmas has to end, uh, you know, January 1 or whatever? Oh, yeah, well... The, it's like February 5th and we're <laughs> still drinking Christmas mugs. <laughs> yeah, nothing wrong with that. <clears throat> but then for work, you know, I have to drink a lot of coffee through the week. But then on the weekend, I do a little brown sugar and a little cinnamon in the coffee. And then it feels like, oh, this is not a coffee because I have to. This is a coffee that I'm going to enjoy. Because I get to. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I'm, I'm a firm believer that you need to have a, you know, a regular simple coffee that isn't the, um, the quote unquote like, like a uh, laundry list Starbucks order yeah. like where you print out the receipt and it's like, you know, this long. Um, but, you know, on the weekends or, you know, on your off days to treat yourself that way is important. So for me, um, my treat to myself is usually like a dirty chai with oat milk, but 
a rest of the days of the week is just black coffee. So it sounds like you're treating yourself today. I am treating myself, yeah. And getting <laughs> off the black coffee train for just uh, you know a couple afternoons a week is fine. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and the brown sugar is a nice touch. I don't really hear that from from many folks. To I don't know. To me, it just seems like it goes together very good. You know, I don't know if that's a traditional blend or anything, but it's it's, <laughs> it's definitely something I always have around. So. Yeah, I mean, it's good. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know. Just like when you have the brown sugar, and then you don't put the um, the the piece of bread in the bag, and then it just becomes like an actual rock, and you're like, yeah, you know, you're becoming a coal miner, and you're trying to chip away at it just to get a little bit for your recipe. Well, and what what I do is I take the two, like I, I break it up, and then I take two uh, bricks of brown sugar, and then just rub them together. And- <laughs> And then the, just like a caveman yeah, trying to make yeah, fire, yeah, exactly. but instead of two rocks, it's two chunks of brown sugar. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, well, you know, speaking of fire, I'm drinking kind of the opposite element. Uh, I'm just drinking a, a liquid death, just some still water. Um, I've already had my coffee and I need to kind of balance with some hydration and, you know, uh, and anyone who's like listening avidly on the podcast knows that I have a, a, a lot of product to, to kind of go through. So, you know, drinking one of these on the episode is, is the only way to get through this before 2023. <laughs> Someone give this guy an endorsement. Come on. <laughs> that is the goal. I, I know. Um, I always say that like liquid death is the, um, the super hot girl in high school that is playing hard to get. And I'm like, you are worth playing hard to get and like <laughs> trying to chase after and potentially lock in a, uh, a sponsorship. But all that aside, cheers to you, Maddie. Really cheers. excited to do this podcast yeah, with you. Thank you so much. So Maddie, um, you know, any new guest that comes here on the show, I always like to get a little bit of context about how they got into heavy music, how they got into punk music, DIY music, however, however you want to spin it. So tell me about like kind of the the origin story for you. Um, you know, you, you've talked on other podcasts and, you know, so, so I've from experience, some of those stories can really run, run, a, a run a mile. So, you know, you can do it Coles Notes version. You can go through every detail, whatever you prefer. But yeah, tell me about how you just got into all this, all this dope shit. Yeah. Uh, thank you for asking. I think for sure, like the DIY aspect is always the thing that appealed to me most. So what I remember when I was young is like, there was a weird public access show on uh, TV, like a channel and uh, access TV called Peter Hill show. And it was uh, just this guy in Edmonton, just like talking to the camera, like very bare bones. It was like the first thing that I saw that was like, well, that's just a regular guy in the community that just put that together and it's on TV and isn't that cool. And CJSR also like our, our local community radio station, I would listen to that and be exposed to a lot of uh, different music, like including punk and hardcore and metal, but then also just the, the idea that anybody could make it was like really appealing to me as like a, a young gaffer. And uh, I got into, you know, heavy music because I was just, you know, a, a, a troubled youth, you know, like so many others and started with the, the cheesy stuff, you know, like new metal and whatever, but then eventually, you know, found the, found the good stuff and uh, been sticking with that pretty consistently since I was, you know, a teenager and I'm a, I'm a, 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 
an adult now. So it's always been, I've always been a rocker, I guess, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I think the, uh, I think when you see, um, when you see something being done that isn't on that high production level, you know, I think we, we all went to like the, the giant, like multi-thousand person concerts that had the crazy lights and all those things. But I think the minute that you can have a similar experience in such a stripped down way of, you know, have, you know, going to a show in a basement and like literally like all the vocals are run through one PA and there's no mics on any of the drums. So I think that's like such a, an eye opening moment for a lot of people. And that could, that could come in so many different ways. And it seems like even just through a radio show, you know, that's done like, not like any of the, the giant radio shows that are all across Canada here and, you know, Sirius XM and all that, all all that kind of stuff. Um, But yeah, I, I think D like, it sounds cheesy because a lot of people talk about DIY and how like yeah. um, how important that is, but I think it's cheesy because it's true and it has resonated with so many people and and, and was so instrumental for sure. Yeah, and uh, the to get a little bit more cheesy, the the chance to just like share something with people authentically, especially a show that kind of is like a community event that everybody feels like some type of ownership over or. So, uh, like a connection to that, like that's uh, undeniable force, you know? And absolutely. And yeah. DIY really can bring together people in a really special and meaningful way, you know? And that's mm-hmm. kind of what keeps people involved, I think. Yeah. Uh, let me, let me go a little further on that uh, before we move on to other topics. Cause I think that meaningful way is, is the important um, term there because, you know, going to like a, a Nickelback concert or like a Slipknot concert is is fun, but it can be such a individual individualist. I always struggle with this word, an individual experience um, where you can go with your friends, you sit in the in the in the nosebleeds, and then you could go and literally not meet anybody um, new in your life through that show. And maybe but you'd going, be better. You'd be better off. And for maybe it, it's. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe it's better off. Um, but I think being in those like really tight rooms kind of forces you to like try to break out of your shell a little bit and introduce yourself to other people and build new connections and Ooh. friendships. And, you know, that has that has clearly, you know, started like multiple huge bands of just like small moments like that. Um, but yeah, like meaningful connections and, and relationships, I think, is the the key thing there for sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And then as Albertans, how do we confront the fact that, you know, Nickelback, as cheesy as they are, are like the most successful Alberta band, you know? (laughs) And it's like, it's, you know, we can't hide from that fact. And I think you got to reconcile that in in your own way. Yeah, I think, um, I don't know if I've actually talked about this on the podcast before, but one of my very first live experiences uh was a nickelback show yeah. in winnipeg many 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 years ago and did they and i ha- think it was did they have pyro they had pyro i think they had like i remember walking in and there were signs on the door saying we've increased the uh db level of this show from like you know <laughs> I'm, I'm not even sure what the the regular amount is but i think it was over 100 someone yeah. can fact check that on me um but what was crazy about that show is that, again, this is like one of my 
like my first experience ever so i'm like i'm just going to see nickelback i'm not even <laughs> considering that other bands are playing yeah but yellow card was main support on that on that show and i knew who, like half of the songs that they were playing so i was like pleasantly surprised that way and then yeah nickelback was just like unbearing unbearable unbearably loud and yeah. you know like you know 12 year old me or whatever at the time was not wearing ear protection and you know my dad was walking out being like i've made so many mistakes <laughs> <laughs> um but it, it's yeah. funny to come kind of full circle now and be like like you said like we can't escape that as alburns and i and realistically yeah. nickelback is very very sick nickelback has some really great riffs and yeah. and uh and guitar work uh i'm not saying they're a perfect band by any means there's a lot of stuff that like we we won't go into when it comes to that band but um i feel like they from a american uh outsider standpoint use that as the the cheap shot at uh yeah at, at us for sure but and then H hannah you know it, it just sort of shows i guess that maybe you don't have to like move to la or something to become a rock star I mean, maybe they did. I don't know. But to me, Hannah, if if you can be from Hannah and blow up, I mean, I guess anybody can. Absolutely. <laughs> um. So you, let's not let this be a Nickelback podcast. No, and no, let's no, no. focus on being a okay, yeah, podcast. Fair, fair, fair. But uh, with Yellow Card, like he did the flip, probably the violin guy, right? I, I can't. It was so long ago yeah. that I don't remember a flip. But I thought... You know, just someone playing violin in like a rock band at the time was still blowing my mind. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I remember seeing them when I was young. We won't linger on this. I did. I like wasn't too stoked on it, but then the violin guy did like a flip at the end, and you're like, "Whoa!" I mean, come <laughs> on, he, he just did a fucking flip. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, Jordan just texted me saying, "Average DB level of a concert is 120." Um, Jordan. Uh, <laughs> I'm just wondering if we linger on this topic. Um, I think it was it was definitely over a hundred, but yeah, nice. like maybe maybe that has changed with time. My hearing has definitely felt the effects of live music over the years. Um, but again, let's let's you know 180 back to the yeah, vibes talk. Um, exactly. So you guys put out a new album like super recently, as far as the time of recording this, Baseball Bat to the World's End. Um, yeah, you know, talk to me about you know that record you know sounds like it was multiple years in the making um and and like when i was listening through it front to back today there was definitely songs that i've heard you guys play live you know in past you know years that i've, I've seen you and then add the pandemic time onto that so with all that with all that being said like talk to me about the goal and the mission of this record from your perspective i think you know, there's a number of things that we went into it hoping to achieve, especially when you sort of spend a, a number of years like working on something. So the the writing process, like really trying to like up our game in terms of the lyrical content, like the um, the vocal gymnastics where like we have uh, all of like the guitar player and bass player and myself all participating in vocals and like trying to each have our own. Uh, individual sort of sound and, and trying to kind of up that element and have a dynamic uh, a sound that's kind of distinctly vibes, like trying to like hone that, which is a good thing to do as a band. And that was like a, a good learning experience for us, which is still ongoing, but uh, I, I think that we represented that. And then also in the past, we really cheaped out on recording, you know, and then the 
finished product didn't really represent us. And we sort of recorded, we felt like we recorded because we had to, or because you needed to have something, but then it's, yeah, it's a bad representation of the band. And then we were always really unhappy with it. So we decided it's like, okay, we got to make something that really sounds like vibes and, and represents like, because these guys are great musicians like uh, Jordan, John, Justin, and Dylan, who, who couldn't be here today, but they're, they got serious chops and, you know, I'm really stoked that it sounds as big and as good as it does. Cause they, they deserve to kind of have that, that level of sound. Uh, so we're just really pumped that it kind of like actually sounds like the way the songs sound in our heads. And I just say that because I feel like, Recording has been a, always something I felt was really frustrating because it would always like, I I would always hear the thing I didn't do or I didn't fix or it's like, right. should have been like this or whatever. So we mm-hmm. took the time to like, just really nail down like almost all of those little splinters in the wood, you know what I mean? And so right. it's like a really smooth finish on that old kind of album in terms of it, if it was like a woodworking project. Uh, but, <laughs> but no, I think it, I, I would say just to toot my own horn, I think it sounds really nice. And it's my favorite thing I've ever recorded because it just really sounds the way it does in my head. And that's why it took right. so long. But, you know, God bless COVID, I had all the time in the world. Uh, <laughs> and uh, more, uh, uh, I guess, for the listener, the, the message is something that we really, really wanted to get out there in a concrete way. And uh, during the process, I put all the lyrics up on the wall and just like studied it. And like, uh, uh, it's like, well, this line doesn't exactly say the way I want to get it across. Or we were really cognizant of like the messages we were trying to get out there, like positive, but there is an element sometimes in like posse core bands of old that it's like, you know, just fuck up, you know, and get out there and stuff. And we don't want to kind of be, you know, positive in a toxic way, which is something that you kind of got to grapple with if you're even going to get out there and kind of make that kind of content. But I think that we did really strike the balance of really speaking to my own kind of, uh, you know, search in life for answers and, and changing behaviors and, examining oneself and striving to be better and all those kinds of things that people ought to uh, give some thought to it's all in there but then also some like really kind of political content about harm reduction about uh, the unhoused population here in Edmonton about racism about you know uh, corrupt religious figures all that punk stuff it's in there too so yeah yeah there's definitely two. I want to separate those as like separate topics that we go really, really deep on. Good, the first yeah. just being, you know, the amount of time that it takes to to do an LP. And I think, you know, I was speaking to someone that I really respect and has a lot of um, uh, experience with like uh, bigger bands and writing, you know, full records. And, you know, he was saying like the <clears throat> doing like an okay or a good quote-unquote ep or single or whatever like that is fine but when you do a record that you don't go all in and you don't do a hundred percent it's actually like 
almost super detrimental to the band. And it's like really hard to recover from that. So, you know, like listening to your guys's, you know, past material compared to this, there's like definitely like a step up, like production wise and all of that kind of stuff. But I definitely, you know, it's clearly apparent that you, you know, went like very obsessed. You were very obsessive about making sure uh, no, uh, you know, corners were were cut and everything was just like very on point to how you want it because yeah. like i i have been in those uh positions myself where i'm listening back to one of my past bands i'm like i hate that we didn't do another take of that or yeah. i hate that i was okay with this at the time because of time restraints or money or, or things like that um and and granted uh, again a lot of those were like a single or like an ep or or things like that but i think when you do the record like the first lp that's like that's where you really you know don't hold your punches and you just like let loose and you really spit like you know if yeah. it's um if you're going into you you know you go into a cave for six months and you don't talk to anybody like there's those kind of people and then there's like more of the realistic of like you know people have jobs and they need to balance all of that and you know having the pandemic helps with being able to really fine tune everything. And to me, it's very apparent that this record is the, the proper showcase of the band and, and everything from like the artwork to the message, uh, which I want to get into a bit, but I think I just want to hit on just the importance of making sure that when you do a full record, you know, a full bodies of worth, uh, body of work, it's, um, you just have to go the extra mile and then some. Yeah, absolutely. And leave it all on the table. Don't think like, oh, well, you know, I have an idea, but maybe we shouldn't try it. You know, that extra stuff, you know, that little bit of window dressing, that might be like the thing that really makes it special, you know? Absolutely. And uh, I guess one thing though that is it's interesting you say you know as people get older and you know vibes our our drummer is a young man but the rest of us are you know we've been in the scene shout out to dylan yeah (laughs) incredible drummer i just gotta say that guy's awesome uh but you know life becomes complicated you know with uh, careers and families and blah 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 but we also have the income to you know spend some time and record this album and I'm fortunate for that because we've stuck with punk rock to and to a point in our lives where we can sort of make the album we always wanted to make, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I've never thought of it that way <laughs> where when you're a young buck in hardcore and you have all the time in the world and no responsibilities, but like your income is actually a lot lower because you're, you know, yeah. doing the, you know, the, the, you know, the, the minimum wage jobs here and there, or, you know, so there's that side. And then there's like, you're older and you have more money, but more responsibilities. And there's kind of like this kind of shift. So there might be like a nice, perfect balance of like you being in your somewhere in your twenties and you have a good paying job, but like is also flexible. So I, I I like that, uh, that analogy that, that you painted there, that even though maybe the, there's, there's different challenges of the band with a lot of the members being yeah. older. A lot of people just are like, Oh yeah, we need to spend X amount of like thousands of dollars for this album. We are in a place that we can do that. And, and it isn't like, Oh my gosh, like I'm 18 years old and yeah. like, I'm just trying to, you know, like I just have enough money to like, you know, 
buy fast food and you know skateboards. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> oh no, absolutely, absolutely, and it's a tremendous privilege, you know. And so, uh, I mean, that's a big that's a big piece of it because in the past, I certainly would have liked to spend a, as much time as I could to record it, but it just wasn't in the cards. So, I'm really, mm-hmm. uh, I'm just really grateful to kind of be able to get that out, you know. And, mm. and and yeah, no, it turned out very good. If I say so myself, definitely a really fun process. And if you're going into the studio, whoever's listening out there, find someone who will hold you accountable when you're recording. You know, if you do that first guitar take and you say, hey, was that good? Should I keep that? And they say, oh, I don't care. What do you think? You're in trouble. Like, I don't mm. think I don't think that's who you want to record with. You want to record with the person that's going to be like, no, the intonation on your guitar sounds like shit. Like you need to tune it or maybe you should whatever, you know, just like who is going to who's going to hold you accountable to being like the best riff master, the best vocalist or, you know, I think that that that's a crucial part of the experience to have like a really good finished product, it seems to me. Because who, you who know, was that for uh, for you on this recording? Did you have someone? Oh yeah, Rob Lawless. Uh, he recorded us, and he's a freaking master. You know, at uh-huh. Physics Lab, there he got us sounding so good, and and really brought out the best in us, like in every step of the process. So huge shout out to him. And then a hidden gem in, in the booth that a lot of people don't know about is John Kennedy, Edmonton legend. You know. He did a guest spot uh, on one of our tracks, Run the Risk. It sounds great. But then also, from like a production side, he gave us all kinds of ideas on like a whack of other songs. And he's like, right. oh, no, your crew vocals are too crowded. You need to like spice it out. And like, you know, he's a real student of hardcore. Like he understands the, uh, the nuance of all that. And then his energy is just uh, infectious, really just like, kept kept everything moving the day that he was there so uh, i've been saying to him uh uh that he needs to do more of that because he brought a lot of uh, good things to the table so mm-hmm. shout out to rob lawless and then also like extra shout out to john kennedy and uh, absolutely and terry who owns physics lab he did the mastering and sounds great too yeah, maybe this is a, a, a slight, um, you know, nod to a future Scoped Exposure podcast, because uh, literally as we're recording, like John is uh, messaging me and uh, about because we're trying to set up a podcast oh, with, yeah. uh, with him as well, because, yeah. you know, he he is definitely someone that I look up to when it comes to like legendary like. Uh, influence with, when it comes to Western Canada, hardcore as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you know, gave me a lot of like um at bats and 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 took a shot on me like early scope days with you know the terror weekend that happened and um yeah just a lot of cool things so that's a little nod for future listeners uh who you know from the edmonton or even just alberta space absolutely Um, yeah real real crucial dude in terms of just making stuff happen in this province and and more so than i think people realize because he, he does all kinds of different genres and stuff that you don't even realize he's involved in he's he's pulling the strings you know so yeah no yep. big shout out to john like as well uh a, a, a real uh influence on me just that hustle you know yeah oh absolutely um so you know we talked about uh some of the you know production 
and you know the effort the blood sweat and tears that went into the album and and having someone to hold up a mirror to your performance and all those things um let's talk about like the message because i know like vibes as a band has you know ever since i saw you guys for the first time in 2016 has always been like writing like you know quote unquote like positive hardcore is like a very umbrella term yeah but i think like you have never deviated from like having the words that you write down be hollow or not mean something Mm -hmm. um so you know when it when it comes to you know i have some specific questions about like um i guess like certain tracks uh about the album but maybe as like a broad question that we can start like what percentage do you think is a positive hardcore band when it comes to music and vocals like because, you know, you can't be a slam band yeah. and have positive lyrics. I think there's some disconnect there. So I'm just yeah. kind of curious on your thoughts. Well, uh, there's that uh, abated mass of flesh that's like a Christian, like guttural slam band. And it's like, <laughs> re- it's, re- it's really cheesy. But I was like, well, they did, you know, they did it. <laughs> uh, it's out there if you look and, and the stuff that I kind of grew up listening to. And then also like being kind of like an old head at a young age, like, you know, seven seconds and youth of today and instead, and, um, you know, unit pride and all those bands, you know, very like influential on me and just like, maybe they weren't like out and out positive hardcore bands, but their lyrics were constructive, you know? Sure. And I think that that is a big difference between maybe hardcore and punk is hardcore in general there is an element of like, okay, things are messed up, but at least hardcore isn't, or, you know, we're like, we're going to find a way, or we're, we're like out there trying to make the world better to some extent, you know? Yes. Or at least an acknowledgement of it in a not a nihilistic kind of way is a certain perspective, you know, which is a little bit more constructive. And then some of that youth crew stuff, well, lots of the youth crew stuff, really influenced um, my outlook on the world, you know? Even though I'm not straight edge, it's like I listen to lots of the straight edge music, lots of youth crew, lots of that kind of stuff, because it is, you know, I think really um, good, good for the mental health, you know, good for my perspective on the world. And I was in a band that was technically proficient, but quite dark in the lyrical content because I thought that was like the cool thing to do to kind of dig into the bad feelings find the ugliest places and just really hammer into like what makes that so bad and then we went on this big tour across Canada and for a lot of reasons it was depressing but one of them was I was like man I am just sowing seeds of negativity like this is what I'm doing with my energy it's like just so counter to uh, what I'm about, you know, in my life, in my life, you know, my work, like I'm a social worker, like my intent is to help the community putting on shows and all that stuff is to, in a small way, like try to enrich the world around me, you know, not in a, not in a life-changing way, but it improves the city that I live in. And I think that that's important. And it's like, well, why, why when i have listened to all this great and when once night heroes huge band in edmonton very positive constructive lyrics you know and graham also a very positive guy 
And it's like, well, that is the type of, of music that I really enjoyed when I was young and really helped me. But a lot of hardcore now is, you know, quite, uh, uh, you know, we live in heavy times, you know, and it reflects that, you know, but in my own capacity, I want my energy to, to be put into something positive. That's what it came down to. And also mm -hmm. kind of tripping on the idea that not everybody gets to rock a microphone, you know, it's a real tremendous privilege to have a, a band that'll back you and you get to just put your feelings out there. And I can't ignore that, you know? And so why, first off, it would be really uh, uh, awful of me to not care about the lyrical content and just slap some shit together. Because what a, what a waste of time for my band. What a waste of an uh, opportunity for me as a singer, because I have a chance that not everybody gets to do. I'm going to put something that I believe in together there. And then, and then furthermore, I want to try to do something that's going to be constructive in the listener's life, you know? And also for me, because I'm repeating it over and over and over and over again, I'm going and playing shows and repeating it, jamming, repeating it. I want Maddie, the old Maddie to whisper in my ear, like the path forward, you know? Because I think mm. we, we all know, you know, we all know the things we've got to work on or the things we need to hear sometimes, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's like there, a, there's, just, yeah, yeah, you're fine. I was just going to say, like, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, of great things there. And even just, like, I think it's different for everyone. Cue the dogs barking. Guys! Bark on, doggies. <laughs> Bark on. Just... Yeah. Don't, don't let your mighty canine voices be silenced. <laughs> I used this skateboard mid-episode to close the door at times. Um, but with all that being said, like, I think that um, the, the mess, like, the focus for you has always been consistent. And I think that's a big thing where people are like, oh, he's just saying the same things again and again. But like those things that are being said, in my opinion, like are still as prevalent in 2016 as they are in 2022. Yeah. So I do think that it is something that a lot of, it's definitely not the norm anymore for hardcore bands to um, to get on stage and, and say something um, of, of, you know, good, bad, ugly, you know, sure. anything in between. Yeah. I, I've talked with, uh, you know, Tyler of Inclination, who recently came on the podcast, talks about like there are he has a friend who's in like a metalcore band and he, it's his first time like rocking a mic. And he's like feeling like he has to say something because he comes from that hardcore band. Yeah. But he's like, your band is kind of like the get on stage and be scary kind of band. You like you can actually get away with actually not saying really anything at all. Yeah. Like. You know, there's certain bands like that, but I think when it comes to, you know, I think it really, I, I like what you said as far as the, not everyone has the opportunity to have a mic yeah. and have a captivated audience. Um, so, you know, using your time to say something that is steering, steering whatever ship in a, in a positive direction. Yeah. And that could be, you know, seeing unity, that could be awareness for any social causes um or even just something of like the me 
the messages of even just being nice to your your fellow you know sister or brother or whatever like that that i think can apply to if your band plays in drop d or drop a sharp you know yeah so i do think that it's super important um to know what like i think it's important to just like know what you're comfortable talking about and what you're passionate about because yeah. clearly like passion is packed into this music that we're a part of so you should take the time in between the songs to just like really drive that home and you know big big reason of uh with what i do like as far as filming bands like i would watch so many sets of people that would like cut off the video as soon as the um as the song ends and start it up for the next one yeah. but that two to f to three minutes of like you know people are tuning it kind of like spontaneously creates some of the most impactful uh speeches or like moments where you know it puts you as the vocalist like oh shit i need to say something yeah and then something you know gets filmed it gets posted online and it and it is a small shift that gets pushed into the overall world so yeah i think it's just important to like to 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 say something yeah oh i totally agree and i think it's uh really a, a cool art form that you know those uh emotions can run concurrently you know like you got the aggressive music and the uh moshing and all that but then also interspliced with this message of positivity and uh you know I mean? it's cool that hardcore uh, allows for that that's dynamic and kind of uh a message you know that it is really sincere you know it's like a, <laughs> they come yeah 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 they had their barking fit yeah no that's fine what beautiful dogs you got there <laughs> they, they they're they're uh you know they got good genes for sure absolutely absolutely <laughs> um uh, no you keep going um uh, well yeah just uh, 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 uh you know i would encourage that metalcore guy to you know give give the people a little bit of something you know it it, it right. doesn't always have to be you know move your fucking ass or Ooh, you're smoking weed, you know? That <laughs> <laughs> could be, you know, a little bit of something else, but that's that's up to every vocalist to decide, you know? I think right. the thing the thing you don't want to do when everybody's tuning is say nothing. Yes, I think <laughs> I think that's the one thing to avoid for sure. You know, no matter what style of music your band is yeah, doing. Because that's um, really boring. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, uh, should I get up on stage and say something? Yeah, um, exactly. Um, uh, when it comes to the the latest record that you did, what was the hardest song for you to write lyrically? Uh, Bro Him Part 2, definitely. I, I wrote and rewrote that song over and over again. And also, like, uh, you know, that was kind of a, a, a song that we wrote early on where we're like, oh shit, you know, we could actually write like a really nice song. You know, we could write like a song that sounds like a real song. And it took us a couple sort of like lineup changes to, to be able to sort of realize that song, which sort of led to uh, us taking songwriting a lot more seriously and, and not just sort of, you know, like a just punk song to it sort of uh, put, putting a more thought into it how it all fits together and all that. 
Uh, yeah. But then that song, it's it's hard to kind of capture, uh, you know, mourning and, and and the grief process and paying tribute to a fallen friend. It's it's hard to not sound canned, you know, and, and say something that's really cliche. Or, you know, it, it's difficult to get that in the right way. And then it's such a personal thing, you know, that you wanted to get across what you're feeling, but what you're feeling is so tremendous that it's uh, hard to kind of put into like verse, chorus, verse. So that was the one that we definitely put a lot of work into musically and then lyrically, like thought about that one quite a bit. And then where we wound up with the song and, and with everybody's vocals in there, but to take somebody's legacy and carry it forward, you know, what people believed in, what people stood for, those positive values, how they lived their life in a good way. And uh, and that's how you can pay tribute to them, you know, and li- right. live, live your life in a similar fashion. And that was sort of a, a good reframe because it takes a very hard thing, and but then kind of puts a little positive shine on it, which... Right. which it, I had I kind of struggled in the weeds to distill the message, but I, we I eventually kind of got it. Got you. Yeah. What uh, would you say that was the the most important song that you wrote lyrically, or is there another one that comes to mind when it comes to like the 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 theme of this is like you know it might not be the most popular song, but like lyrically and reading it to me, it's the most important. It's. <laughs> It almost sounds like that's a trick question. Like this one you wanted to say. I don't, I think it's um, <clears throat> well because in some ways we are we're really putting uh, uh, you know the glitter on Edmonton. You know what I mean? We're really just trying to put uh, the spotlight on Edmonton. So we have some references to Edmonton throughout, like Champion Blood and uh, Can We Get It Back? Uh, a more uh, uh, in terms of harm reduction and uh, and the unhoused population here in Edmonton, like Twist in the Wind, I feel is a very impactful song for me. And uh, it's it distills a lot of things that I've seen uh, working in the, the unhoused servant sector here in Edmonton. And it's a very complex issue, you know? And that's mm. why I think it's, difficult for some people to wrap their heads around because you know it's the the population is very diverse the problems are very very complex and the solutions are very sort of nebulous because it's different for everybody there's not just like one thing that's going to solve that problem and uh, (laughs) uh once you sort of get into the weeds of that it becomes a sort of not just, you know, there's people living on the street, what's the next step, but then the systemic issues, you know, the uh, scarcity of resources when we actually have adequate housing for everybody. Uh, the fact that we live in a opulent society that can't effectively take care of its entire population. It's like, those are big things to grapple with. And then fitting some of those specific stories into that song. There is sort of like three narratives of like 
a, a, a racially biased system that has, uh, you know, oppressed people for generations, specifically, you know, uh, the indigenous population here in Canada. Uh, mm-hmm. And then also physical and mental health. We talk about that in there and how that can like lead to someone just basically not having the income to be in, in home or in a house. And uh, also just the fact that some people are living paycheck to paycheck and using their body for physical labor, which our society relies on to exist and then becomes injured and has no way of kind of providing the means of of paying their rent and stuff. And then on top of that, so we have that, but then also kind of shining a light on the fact that there is a lot of classist values present in like punk and hardcore and metal and just trying to make the listener maybe a little bit aware of that, not necessarily to call out anybody specifically, but just the chance for us all to reflect on like how our values are actually skewed to a capitalist mindset, which uh, impoverishes and others people. And it's just generally is a bad thing, but you know, is still prevalent in our alternative spaces. And then we have Katrina on there, uh, who's also my band chairman, also fabulous photographer, videographer, uh, uh, musician, all around artist. And she just like adds the freaking cherry on top because just it's like <laughs> we, we everybody in vibes is doing vocals. So it's like, you know, it's me and then it's Justin and then it's John and then it's Jordan. And then Katrina just cool comes out of right field. You know, you don't see it coming. So it's very meaty. There's a lot going on in it, you know? Mm, and yeah. so and, and, and for the record, the, the that question was not a trick question. I was generally curious, like you know, and yeah. you went on a huge rift there as far as like the importance of that song. And yeah, it, there's definitely a lot going on. First off, are all the string members of your band, guitars and bass, all J names? <laughs> yeah, and then and then and then actually, there's been other J's throughout. The, you know, because uh, we had uh, Jeremy in there and Joel in there. And, wow. Yeah. Okay. So it's like an unsaid um, requirement if you're playing guitar or bass and vibes. Yeah. Well, it's a funny thing, you know, and we've tried out, you know, different people and then it's like, it's going good, but then somebody comes in and their name like Jim, Jim or like uh, Jamie or something. And everybody just looks at each other like, Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we found them. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know why it's just, yeah. For the J thing is it's been prevalent history i don't i I think every band has that one thing where it's like we did not intend this but for some reason this is the reality yeah and i think for um for endgame we had a realization just in the last couple weeks where it's like every drummer that we've had like most like all the other members as far as playing bass or guitar uh or, or doing vocals have been either vegetarian or vegan yeah every every drummer that we've had has only eaten meat and for some reason like like and and we're super open like we're, yeah, we're yeah. totally fine but it's just hilarious how like no other vegan or vegetarian drummers like just naturally found their way it's like you know I, we just have that realization it's like oh, okay so frank and then yeah you know, so it's just like all <laughs> these kind of things um so 
yeah, I, I just wanted to bring that up. But yeah, that when I was listening front uh the album front to back to that song specifically and Katrina's um um like just little cherry on top, I feel like that's a perfect analogy uh to uh, uh, to just add so much to that. Um so yeah, great 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 answers to all that. Thanks, bud. Um when it comes to, you know, again like it it's very apparent that you want to mimic what you do in your you know, uh, in your day job and, and what you do for the community into your music, yeah. and, you know, even having a little bit of a stint of a band that was maybe a little bit more negative and just kind of like doom and gloom is maybe a little harsh, but like, you know, it wasn't true to who you were as a person. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think when it comes to the, I think a lot of, of hardcore and I'm guilty of this myself. Like there's a lot of things that people will say at a show and people will clap their hands. Yeah. Like, yes, we need to do this. Um, but I feel like you just take it a step further. Um, you know, like the last time I saw vibes, um, you know, we were talking about, uh, how there's, there's so many issues within Canada and the world itself about transphobia and people that struggle. Um, and, had a moment of silence and I was watching that set back today and I'm like, I don't think I've ever filmed a moment of silence of that. Like that was actually that long. And like the only thing that you could hear was that, you know, the amp was turned on. So Ooh. that to me was like a very, even in the moment I was, as I was filming this, this is like, this is very, very powerful. So like, again, there, there's a lot of themes here, but I think the one thing that I'm curious about is like, what would you say to someone that has that? Like, Oh yeah, these these causes and these issues are really important to me, and to take that outside of the hardcore show and outside of the scene and like applying that to like learning about stuff and getting involved in things in your community. I'm just kind of curious on where your thoughts go. Well, I think that that's a very yeah, that's a very good question, and I think that the big thing is you know we are what we practice, you know, and mm. so. Uh, lip service is one thing, you know, and it's easy to say things, uh, you know, people just run their mouth all day. I feel like I never stop talking and you can say whatever you want. You know, you can say that the sky is purple and, you know, if somebody never seen the sky, they wouldn't know for sure. But basically we, we are the action that we take, you know, that defines who we are, like it or not. So if we just sit around and play video games all the time and, you know, for better or worse, you know, that's what we are. You know, we are a gamer because that's the action that we take. And I've been able to position my life in such a way that I uh, do a job that has a, a, an element of goodwill, let's say, you know, and that, you know, it's social work. And right now I'm working in the housing sector, finding housing for people that's uh, for one reason or another, don't have access to it. And it would be difficult for them to access it through traditional means. So we assist in that process, which is very rewarding and challenging and, and all of that other stuff. But I get paid to do that. So that doesn't make me like a saint or anything like that. And I don't live in that uh, uh, illusion that it does. And so it's I'm left with the question is like, what do I do with the rest of my time to better the community and there's not a simple answer to that but i think you got to kind of like find your way and find what what's right for you you know mm. and one really dangerous way of thinking that uh 
an, an elder challenged for me, which was a, a real blessing of knowledge, is he said, you know, if you're doing good work, it's all equal, you know? It's not break, like break that down for me. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you you peeled off a corner and I want to I want to see the whole page. You know, yeah, it's just like good good work and doing the in this case, you know, in line with the creator, which for his purpose is really a powerful teaching, you know, but just bringing something good into the world or doing things that are in line with uh, you know, positivity is equal. You know, it's not Spencer's doing more than Jim Bob or whatever, you know, as long as we're just like doing what we can, I think that that's a, a that's good enough. You know, it's not a, it's yeah, not a, totally. it's not a freaking uh, race or challenge or whatever. Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, I think, I think that's a huge point. Cause I think I can struggle with that of, of always being critical of myself of like, am I doing enough? Am I helping, you know, my scene enough? Am I helping just like different things just within the Calgary, like outside of the music yeah. scene? Um, but I do like that analogy of like doing anything should be recognized and rewarded. And that could be anything from like, you know, someone doing like myself doing <clears throat> a big podcast and interviewing people from all over the world and giving other people value to like, you know, getting involved in your local community and helping one specific person um, in, in their current struggles yeah. and journeys. So I like, and this gets into the larger conversation about like um, about life, but I'm, I'm thinking it's so I'm, I'm starting to shift into like, I think the efforts of your work, um, like the things that, that we make in this world, like even if you or I built a statue or, you know, this podcast, you know, yeah. whatever, like that eventually over time will go away and people will forget. But I think the impact of our efforts will ring on and affect other people. And yeah. that's kind of like the true legacy versus like, you know, oh, Spencer did a thousand podcasts in his lifetime or Ma or Maddie helped out a thousand people yeah. in, in his. So I think it's <clears throat> it's it's showing up and being able to um, spark that interest with the other for the next people to take it on in their generation in their lifetime for sure yeah and i think also you know if somebody wants to pursue uh it in that way you know and putting on shows and all that stuff maybe be mindful that those rewards you know might not come in the moment you know you might meet a kid that went to a show when he was 14 and he's going to tell you about it when he's 24 you know, and, Absolutely. and how much that Absolutely. meant, you know, and uh, yeah. yeah, and so that's, it. but it's still important, you know, you might not know, but the reward is, the reward is sort of in the service, I guess. Yeah. yeah, like a very, I feel very fortunate with this podcast to be able to have people on and have the opportunity to give them their roses of like, hey, like what, like, you know, we talked about JFK, like oh, JFK, yeah. <laughs> Like, like before Scoped even started, I was just like getting into the mix of like filming shows and, you know, story so far and Comeback Kid were playing the Starlight Room. I bought a ticket. I like was trying to figure out if I can film. It was like the first time I was filming like a bigger, you know, venue. Uh, John got in contact with me and then he ended up comping my ticket. And I was like, that was not something that I asked for. Yeah. But thank you for doing that. And, you know, he was just like so welcoming and that honestly has been like such 
a crucial moment in like the random acts of kindness that you can make. Uh, and again, that's within hardcore that can be happened even just like going out on the street, you know, buying someone's coffee who's in the drive drive through behind you. Yeah. So there's, there's so many things that like, um, you know, and you know, life is hard. It, it can get you bogged down for sure. But I yeah. think seeing the opportunities of where you could make <laughs> those small sparks yeah. that have trickle down effects immeasurably down the line for sure. And I think that that's an excellent chance to just do one quick reframe because earlier you mentioned like my previous projects and like the doom and gloom and stuff and how that that didn't represent me. But like all individuals, you know, I am I'm like a mix, you know, and it did represent me, but it represent negative parts of me, you know. Mm. And so very much in keeping with what you were just saying, you know, we do have those opportunities to kind of either dwell on it or push forward because ultimately we're the ones writing our stories. So, mm, I, totally. yeah, yeah, there's no, there's no, uh, narrator out there saying and then spencer went and completed his final mission you know it's like we're, <laughs> we're 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 writing it it's happening you know i don't believe in destiny or fate i think life is finite and the world is crazy and we just got you know a chance to kind of do whatever you want i guess mm -hmm. um so we're, we're gonna shift topics here so i know that um oh, well before we shift topics, I guess one question that I had, because, you know, it's so apparent within who you are as a person and vibes uh, as a band, like really flies the flag for Edmonton and Edmonton hardcore. Um, you were mentioning that the, there's all these like Easter eggs and little um, nodes to like different things within, yeah. you know, the city itself. Um, when I was listening today, there was like a, a radio or like a, a TV show excerpt talking about the <laughs> moshing at the Western Cultural Center. And for me, as a Winnipegger, yeah. there's a West End Cultural Center. Winnipeg. So is there one? It is Winnipeg. It's Winnipeg. Oh, okay. So I was like, is there two <laughs> that I've never known about? But Yeah. So, I mean, it's not not everything in it is Edmonton. Like the cover, for instance, is in BC. That's a reference to Winnipeg. Uh, it, the There's like an E-40 reference, like in Champion Blood, you know, which has nothing to do with Canada at all. But it's just that's uh, you know just a chance to kind of show our our influences and and what we're interested in and where we're coming from, and a big part of it is the city that we live in. But you know we're influenced by everything, and the music is not just one like we're not just trying to copy Seven Seconds anymore. You know it's like now we're trying to copy a whole whack of different bands <laughs> right and so you know there's a lot of different stuff in there but i love winnipeg like i really that's one of my favorite cities and so a chance to kind of subtly put that in there it's also such a funny sample that's news report on moshing there was like three hilarious samples we could have used out of it and we're oh, just <laughs> i i can only imagine <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's like one where it's like a 90s like Crunch guy, he's like, yeah, machine, dance grave that's sweeping the nation. <laughs> and it's, it's just it, like, yeah. Like that venue specifically for me is so, so special. I, I've I've seen so many bands from from all legs of you know heavy music. Uh I think it was the first time I the first time I stage dove was at the Westin Cultural Center. And this is again like probably like somewhere in the 2010s or something like high school uh emo phase spencer but i remember i got on stage 
I jumped and it was like a perfect stage dive, nice. like perfectly caught. I felt floating for that first and then, you know, you know, surf for a bit and then was back on stage. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to the other side of the stage and, um, and do it on that side and just totally ate shit. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like literally like, like, uh, a perfect, like duality of, uh, of, uh, stage diving experiences. It can go either way, you know, definitely. Uh, I've had, I've had both, you know, both extreme, <laughs> extreme success and then and colossal failure, you know, uh, the one that, and, and actually it's funny because <laughs> I, I was like, oh, I don't remember my first stage dive. I wonder what, what it would be. And then you're like, oh, and then I ate shit. And I was like, well, maybe that's why I don't remember it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw this, yeah. one, one that comes to mind is skit system where I jumped head first and nobody caught me at all. And I pretty much dived into the ground like fucking head to the, and only had bodies to, that I was going through to lessen my fall, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I, it, it, it is a wild time. Cause I think the, you know, the perfect first stage that I, for me, you know, caught by strangers and at, at the very least, the person that I just like jumped on and just ate shit was like a friend that I went to the show with. So I'm like, Dustin, are you okay? He's like, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, there have been the times where, and I'm sure many listeners of the podcast are yeah. recalling all of their terrible stage diving stories. Um, you know, that could be a podcast of its own. Oh, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Maybe yeah. do like a compilation, like ask like a bunch of people, you know, and then it's like, <laughs> you know, kind of like a, a, a voicemail, like call in and, and yeah. leave your terrible stage dives. Yeah. Maybe that's something. Yeah. Or like a ask all your guests and then like at the end of the year, like round up, you know, it's like scoped exposure, like bad stage dive stories, or, you know? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I have thought about doing that for the the mosh stories that we tell at the end of every episode because you know those will you know there there's so many to chew on. Oh uh, yeah, we're not at that point for your episode yet, but we are we're getting close to that. I, um, yeah, I need to go to uh, more I'm, shows, you know, because <laughs> with the pandemic, it's been such a slow rollout, and I had no mosh for years over covid yeah and my skills have diminished significantly i, I, I must admit it you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think uh you know as the person who who films a lot of shows there's a lot of times where i'm just like i need to pass the camera off to someone and you know have a little bit of fun myself i remember when endgame was playing in toronto uh for toys for tots um cold shoulder was playing uh and it was like one of my favorite songs by them and I knew that um, two other guys, like I had two other guys filming. So yeah. like, even if I put my camera on the on the floor of the stage, it's like, whatever. I just won't cut to that and just like did a front flip off, off of this dude. But yeah. what's funny is that um, someone was jumping on the stage so they could stage dive too. And they like kind of just like nudged the camera a little bit. And it just looked like a really cool shot. So I ended yeah. up keeping it in. Oh, nice. So yeah. So there's like, again... Yeah, maybe there's like a whole thing. Um, <laughs> Jordan sending me the messages while this is happening. Uh, oh yeah, what if this is someone's first time? Don't spoil that. There's a mosh, you know, question. Um, so uh, you know, moving on to a couple other topics, uh, Maddie. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure how much of a secret or apparent uh, it is for you that you're a avid VHS collector. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so yeah tell me about that 
what I've always been into collecting in general, you know, uh, like records, like I got a lot of freaking records, got a lot of comics from when I was a kid, like I was really into that. And then records, it used to be a really fun hobby and, and you could get things very cheaply. Digging in the crates was like actually a thing, you know, and then records kind of, kind of got, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to just find gems out there, you know, so many people are, are digging. Uh, comics, when it, when I got into it, when I was young, you know, it was like, oh, these comics are like, oh, going to be worth so much and, you know, keep them in protective shit and all that. And then that kind of like, you know, that whole idea became laughable and and then also once you get like a certain amount of stuff like i i don't know where i would put more records and i don't know where i'd put more comics and vhs is when i started collecting them you could go to value village and clean up like i got into them <coughs> primarily because it was like i was finding all this cool stuff i never s- stopped watching them you know i had some stuff on tape, some stuff on DVD, and then it just, you know, going to Value Village just became like the cheapest, easiest way to watch movies. I didn't have cable or anything. So it was just like, wow, I'd pick up a dollar movie and you'd find things like uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space or the Flash movie or Captain America movie mm-hmm. or, or, you know, uh, c- cool horror stuff, you know, Friday the 13th tapes for like a dollar. I was like, whoa, okay, I mean, definitely, I'm going to get this. And then when I kind of started living in a place for, you know, a long period of time, instead of moving and having different roommates and no space, I just really started getting more and more. And people would just give me their collections because they're getting rid of them. And it's just like, all right, well, if you want, like, I don't understand why you give up, like, all these perfectly good tapes. And another thing to think about, these things are made of plastic. Like, it's not going anywhere. It's going to be on earth forever you know and so it's like it's perfectly good like i don't understand what you know that's but also you know maybe people are just so obsessed with being the best you know but i've never felt like the best i've i'm just who i am and i'm trying to make the best of what i, I i've been given you know sure and yeah. vhs's are still perfectly good I collected the shit out of them. I have an incredible collection. I would like to say the best in Edmonton. And now the prices are going up on them like crazy. They're becoming like a collector's item. And I'm just like on the top of my VHS mountain laughing, you know? (laughs) (laughs) It's like people. Yeah, you're like the Joker sitting on the giant mountain of money and sliding down. (laughs) People thought. Like, how many many VHSs are we we talking here? I got 3,000 in the apartment. And then, yeah, and then uh, I got, uh, I'm ashamed to say I got another thousand in a storage unit. And it's like, (laughs) kind of, I get like collections and I sort of need to sort through them. And then I do sales, like I'm doing a relaunch of my uh, VH store. It's like dealer VHS on Instagram. So we're doing a store relaunch coming up here, like new logo, new look and everything. And, Hmm. um, you know, uh, when I was going hard on it, yeah, like I was selling lots of tapes and like, you know, that having the storage unit was just something I sort of needed to do. I got that hustle just like, you know, it, you know, people don't always have capacity to do all this work full time jobs, be in bands and then 
for so for my own mental health 4,000 VHS so you know and then also in a way it made it like not fun you know because it's like yeah I'm not you know I've never been like a seller exactly you know what I mean like my whole career has kind of been uh about the connection you know and money wasn't really necessarily that involved so I sound like a hippie but I you know I don't think about money that much and so it was fun to connect with all these people that wanted to buy VHSs and ship them all across the world and, and then throw little treats in their package. And I, I thought that that was really fun, but it just, the grind was hard to keep up on. So I stepped away, but now I'm going to step back and cause I got so many tapes and I keep getting more. I need to get them out to the people. So, but yeah, uh, uh, people thought I was crazy, you know, collecting yeah. them, you know, and yeah. then uh, I don't know. I, Speaking of um, connections, I hear that you've traded tapes with a certain member of Kitty. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, me and Morgan are buddies. <laughs> that is so crazy. Yeah, through the VHS world, you know. Oh, yeah. And that, I, I got to say, was something that really uh, made my day because I love uh, Kitty. You know, and I still like those first two albums, like have a lot of jams on them. And some of the stuff on like the first album, it has that early 2000s sort of metalcore song sound on like some of those tracks. And they're like 15 when they drop that. It's nuts, you know? Right. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'll show you something. Hang on. Oh, yeah, please. Show and tell is always welcome. And (laughs) and this is the part in the show where I have to fill in the space as Maddie is getting. Oh. Whoa! Signed and everything. Yeah, that is dope. Yeah. Can can you That's can you tell brief. me about what that is for the for the audio listeners that aren't getting purview to all this dope shit that we're showing? On the yeah. Board? Well, this is uh the like live. Well, not all live. It's just like the here's Kitty VHS where they got like their music videos, some behind the scenes. Uh, you know, uh as you know live footage all that kind of kitty goodness and listen there 16 15 from london ontario a band of ladies in like a very male dominated genre as that actually still now but at that time like and i think you know even regardless of what you think about the music listening there the fact that they had that success, uh, I think it's pretty tremendous, you know? And I, th- oh, absolutely. Like, you know, see it. I like seeing Canadian bands succeed. I can't help but be like, even if their band's crappy, I'm still just like, I'm glad. It's like, yeah, you know, good for you co- coming out of wherever part of Canada and making, making, you know, not everybody has to be from Toronto to like make it, you know? And it's like, right. Even if they're like the crappiest, like, you know, great big C or something, I wish them nothing but success, you know, like you, you go and just fly that flag, dude, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, like London, Ontario, for those that don't know, is a, a very small city when it comes to yeah. Ontario compared to Toronto. Um, so, you know, and we mentioned Nickelback being from like a yeah. buttfuck nowhere, like town in Alberta, like one of the biggest metalcore bands in the world right now is Spearbox and they're from Vancouver yeah. Island. So That's very cool. I, I think it is so sick to see when a band or an artist has 
a quote unquote like international connection. Yeah, like, totally. and that could be anything from myself being able to interview people who are based in uh like who are huge names in the states or being able to have people um from like overseas um come on the podcast like i think it is such like a like i think it's a crazy time that we're living in where i think yeah. a lot of canadians uh, there's a lot of canadian presence that's starting to like um elbow our way into the conversation and again bring some some shine and some spotlight back to us but uh no, I think it's I think it's so dope. And it doesn't need to just be through hardcore. It could be no, through yeah. collecting tapes. It could be through, you know, um like are you into like fancy coffee and like you you chat and connect with people off of that. So, I think it's like it's super cool to see that happen and um and I encourage more people to uh yeah. to try and uh, get into the mix of that. And I think if you're like, you know, like a punk, you're supposed to have like weird hobbies, you know? Like, oh, absolutely. Yeah, you like, <laughs> I don't know, collect mustard packets or you bought a hearst and you like are refinishing it or you're like a sneakerhead or, you know, mm-hmm. you got a liquid death collection or, you know, <laughs> it's just it's just like uh, it is about the heavy music. But on the slide, it's also a chance just to let your flag fly, you know, whatever. Totally. Yeah, whatever that looks like for you, you know, and it is. It is like a cool opportunity to do something just because it tickles your fancy. It doesn't have to be like some real important thing that society says is like, okay, like, I don't know, football or something. But if you like football, you know, you know, whatever, do it. That's fine too. I'm not hating. I'm not hating on anybody. Just saying it's like, it's, it's, it's lucky. It's lucky yeah. that, you know, we can just do our thing. And if people don't get it, that's fine. It's only for you to understand. Yeah. And, and I think maybe if you're going back even 10 or five, 10 years ago, I'm, I'm not sure. But I think hardcore kids or punk kids were it was very one dimensional. It was like yeah. this. And, and it was like very obsessed. And maybe at the time, that's what was needed to like make those scenes thrive and really explode. Um, but I think nowadays I really like learning when someone's into dirt biking as well as writing sick riffs or someone is like, uh, very into weed and all the different strains and they are a kick-ass drummer. So I think having, um, the balance there is key. Um, you brought up, you know, being weird and collecting different mustards when it comes to other condiments, why do you like barbecue sauce cookies? Well, because there, barbecue sauce is primarily sugar, so it was like an interesting uh, cooking experiment, you know, because it's like, oh, it sounds so crazy, barbecue sauce cookies, but (laughs) barbecue sauce is like brown sugar and molasses and some spices and stuff, so it's Mm -hmm. not really a bad thing to bake with, but it's just something that is like so shocking, and then... (laughs) And then what is also funny is I put in strange things like like giblet corn or Frito hoops or uh, carrot shavings. You know, it like really lended itself to like a lot of different sort of uh, fixings. So I haven't made the barbecue sauce cookies for a while, but, you know, I like uh, I like experimenting. That's why I'm not such a good baker, because usually baking, you have to have like a, a recipe which I have trouble sort of following directions. 
And so a lot of my it's all it's all up here. A lot of my bacon experiments do not make it to Instagram, but that was one <laughs> where it was just like, yeah, barbecue sauce cookies. These are delicious. And everybody who's had them agrees. They're like, oh, yeah, I get it now. It just is like kind of a spicy cookie, but not even mm. like spicy, just like has spice, you know, spices. So, so it's kind of playing in that duality of savory and sweet and, and, and versus trying to be one or the other. Yes. And, and I would say it seems a lot more like it is that than what it really is, because I just want to reiterate <laughs> barbecue sauce is essentially just sugar. There's a yes. lot of sugar in it. And so are we talking like sweet baby Ray's barbecue sauce or what's your go-to I, I, barbecue I, sauce for this cookie recipe? I've done it a few times. I did it with the bullseye when I kind of got a little bit more bold, like a more esoteric bullseye flavor. And then the first two times I just got like the most generic barbecue sauce, like president's choice, like the most like quintessential barbecue sauce. Also because I thought I was going to ruin it. I didn't want to spend like any more than sure. I had yeah. to, you know? But uh, no, it turned out great. And I bet you, it'd be kind of gross, but a lot of sauces are, you know, heavily sugared, like ketchup. Like in theory, oh, definitely. I bet I bet you can figure that out. The vinegar kind of maybe might make it weird, but yeah, yeah you know? Well, yeah, I, like <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of open to trying this barbecue sauce cookie uh, for myself. I will go on record to say I will never have a vinegar-based cookie of any kind. Yeah. I have I have a lot of traumatic uh, vinegar anything experiences yeah, when it comes to food. Yeah, so a lot of I, people I'm, are. I'm gonna stay away from that. Anti vinegar, but uh, I think it is delicious personally. And I've you know I I don't I I don't want to be dismissive of your feelings about vinegar. Like maybe you <laughs> got it in your eye or something, you know. And then that I, if that is the case, I'm sorry for bringing it up. What? No, no, you're fine. Honestly, what it was is um, when I was in the mix of trying to diagnose my Crohn's and I was doing everything from like doing crazy diet plans, I would do I my um, naturopath at the time was like, you need to take a shot of apple cider vinegar every day. Yeah. And it was excruciating like to be in like my place of work at the time going in the employer lounge, like literally trying to be in the corner to like not have anybody see me like have the gag reflex and yeah. just so that's why i stay away from that um you know my, you know my wife would like you know i think sometime last year over the summer she would do like apple cider vinegar with some water to you know start her day and i'm just like keep that shit away from me <laughs> yeah i well i sympathize my dad who's from the maritimes insisted on giving us cod liver oil in the morning or like the, oh god or like the fish oil pills and that was really disgusting and apparently in school they gave it to him you know like in the morning it's, it sounds so crazy it sounds like so antiquated like line the kids up and give them a spoonful of like oil you know and it's just like that it's it's nuts really but there you go and so uh i don't know if maybe it had all these tremendous health effects that I just was too young to appreciate. I mean, I was a very vigorous child, so maybe that had something to do with it. Uh, but no, very gross. Very gross. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, uh, Maddie, one of the last things I want to hit on before we start to wrap up is um, is your radio show, um, Wake Up and Live. So tell me about, like, um, you know, 
you clearly have so many things going on in your world, but like, why was it important for you to be able to have that in the mix to be able to scratch a certain itch that other things just weren't for you? Uh, yeah. So uh, CJSR has always been like a big influence on me and like a, a way to kind of like hear different types of music uh, since I was young, but even like with the internet and in all that stuff, still the people who do community radio have like such passion about their specific genres that you're going to hear things and also connect with it in a way that you wouldn't for just a playlist because you might not like blues or something, but then the guy is just like so knowledgeable about it that he makes you like understand like why that's good. And that is right. yeah. kind of sets it up for you. Yeah. Anyway. And I always really admired that. So I started, I volunteered at CGSR when I was like 13 or 14 with my friend, Doug Hoyer, who's also still into music. So it's cool when you your young friends stick with it and i'm fortunate enough that a lot of those dudes i knew back then have been in music this whole time and gone in different ways and justin my co-host to wake up and live is one of those guys that was into hardcore when he was young and into like heavy hardcore too specifically because that's what we wanted like the show to be at, at first was just like the hardest the hardest stuff and now, mm. and now it's more a variety of the hardcore bag because it just became too hard to sort of program that the same way. Uh, but uh, uh, I never had time to, to do the CJSR show. It's a big commitment of time. And I really wanted to throughout almost my whole teenage and adult life. Uh, but I never had time to do it. And I could never commit to it with the shows, with the work, with the jamming with the band all that other stuff but covid gave me that opportunity where everything stopped and i needed to find something else to do with my time and hang out with friends you know and like not just sit around and feel bad and so yeah doing a project with justin we have sort of similar taste to music and then a kind of uh you know a good rapport in terms of like the joking around and stuff so right. yeah just having this outlet to just like share hardcore with the community and you just turn your dial and you're just you hear something totally heavy and crushing even if people flip to the next uh, station right away i still think that's pretty cool because it's like you know just getting it out into the community and maybe people i don't know how if people are radio listeners out there but I think, uh, you know, it's hardcore ought to be on the radio, you know? I 100% agree. Yeah. yeah. I, I've always, um, <laughs> when I was growing up and watching Wayne's World for the first time and that whole, like, idea of, like, having a satellite on your house and having your own radio station, like, that has always been, like, burned in my mind. Like, yeah. Why can't I do that? So uh, it, it's very cool to see that you're kind of um, trying to introduce punk and, and hardcore to, to other listeners. Yeah. Um, I'm really glad that we brought this up too because I remember a long, long time ago you were asking me to to record a bumper for the show, and then I just, you know, with all the things that I have going on in my life, I unfortunately neglected to do that. So because we're on the podcast here, I just had the idea that I can just record the actual bumper for you right now yeah. as we're doing this. Podcast. Yeah, you definitely can should we do that. Yeah, we'll definitely play it. We and. Uh... We do, and if you people are in bands out there, like sick hardcore bands, just send us one, you know, and we'll, we'll mm -hmm. play. We don't need to ask you, you know, uh, 
So if so, so what what is what do I have to say? I want to make sure that I get the script. So the the meat and potatoes is like, uh, you know, introduce yourself and what you kind of do in terms of like its relevance to hardcore. Uh, listening to Wake Up and Live Breakdown Radio on CGSR eighty eight point five or www.cgsr.com. Can you say that last bit one more time? I'm just typing it. So it's out. it's www, which stands for World Wide Web, cjsr.com. <laughs> uh, s- uh, sorry, the so um, the part before that, cjsr, like I, I need the actual station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. 88.5. Yeah. This is a very meta experience. You know, we're creating content as we're creating content. I know. Well, and then this is actually how you get things done, folks. You got to multitask, right? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, um, I'm, uh, I'm going to do it and And, and put, um, put your own spice in too. That's important. You know, it's like your own, your own flavor. Okay. So, Jordan, who's on the call here, clip this because I'll have to go into the edit and and find it. Um, all right. Okay, roll. I, I, okay, I'm trying. I'm getting in the zone. There's a lot of pressure here. There's a lot of build up to this. It's actually, you know, take all the time you need there, Spencer. It's not a race. All right. You tell me if if you tell me afterwards if I've messed something up. All right. Here we go. Okay. What's up, everyone? My name is Spencer from Scope Exposure and Endgame, and you're listening to Wake Up and Live Breakdown Radio on 88.5 FM on CSJR Radio. So close. CJSR. Oh, oh, so close. CJSR Radio. Yeah, but I liked liked everything up until that That was good energy? Yeah, very good energy. This, this must be such a weird, like, listening to this. <laughs> You're just, like, listening to podcasts. And they're like, no, no. This guy record a radio. Uh, actually, I, I, I think this is good content, you know? This is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to rock this one more time, and then we'll move to the last question of the interview. Perfect, perfect. What's up, everyone? My name is Spencer from Scoped Exposure and Endgame, and you're listening to Wake Up and Live Breakdown Radio on 88.5 FM CJSR Radio. Let's spice it up. Yeah! Good job. Really good. I really like that one. Thank you. We'll play the shit out of that. And then you just got a picture. It's like going to bust right into Endgame right after that, you know? I love that. I love that. Uh, well, Maddie, this has been a really, really fun conversation. The last question that I always ask every guest that comes on the show is a favorite mosh story that you would like to end on. It could be anything that comes to your mind. It could be related to you. It could be something that just happened at a show you were at. Whatever's first <laughs> to your head is how we start to end the show. Well, um, can, I, can I give you a one winning, one losing, like a two shorties? Yes. Give okay. me two shorties. All right, one funny one is uh, I my bud was wearing these goofy glasses and we kind of encountered each other in the pit going back and forth and our paths were going head on. And even though we're friends, it's like it was playing chicken, you know? There was just no other recourse. So I grabbed him by the face and pushed him down and snapped his glasses into a million pieces like in the motion. But, you oh know, my God. I'm just like, but it was just like in that moment. And then, yeah, I walked away with Victor that day. Another time, which went 
very, very, very much the other direction is I went to Black and Blue Bowl in New York, which was a beautiful experience. And uh, also just a random hardcore kid in the lineup. It was sold out and he gave me a ticket. You know, I showed up ill-prepared and it's just, you know, even in New York where people think, you know, it's so tough, it is still quite wholesome and people are very uh, friendly. So it was just, re- you know, they are friendly. They are uh, welcoming. They have all that good stuff up until Madball comes on the stage. So <laughs> what happened was I was immersed in all these good vibes. I thought I knew where the standing was and I was mosh pit adjacent. And they opened with Demonstrate My Style, which begins with the crew vocal. And before he said style, I was fucking floored. Like I just <laughs> like smashed right in the front. It just, the whole room just turned to chaos instantly. Right. <laughs> and I, yeah, I lost my hat. Uh, my face was bloodied and I, you know, marched my ass to the back real quick. You know, I thankfully. The style was demonstrated it, for sure oh, in that moment. Oh, yes. It certainly. Oh, they, yes. they weren't, they weren't joking around with that. So that, but it, it, it was a, a very good display of moshing proficiency though, you know, just mm-hmm. like to see it. And yeah, um, yeah. they know how to I do would, it. I would New expect York. no less from a Madball show in New York of all places. So yeah, that sounds yeah. about right. But um, I, I always love hearing the mosh moments during specific songs. Like I, I can't remember what episode it was, but someone had <laughs> mentioned, um, a band was playing us. I, I think the song was called uh, Lake of Blood or like Blood Lake or something or Blood River. And like yeah. literally it was so violent that like it, there was enough blood on the floor that you could like, you know, take your child to to swimming lessons. Like it was. Wow. So wow. That's some I love early the uh, demonstrate my style. And someone's like, I'm, I'm going to do that, Madball. Thank you. Thank you for inviting that. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, the uh, New York folks. For the most part, up until that, they had like a very sort of almost uh, relaxed and sort of swaggy mosh style. You know, when I see people who are trying too hard, I think back on those guys and I think that was because they were not there to prove anything. Like the style was undeniable. But then the hometown favorites come on and you can't, uh, the kid gloves are off, you know? (laughs) Yes. They can swim in both streams. Right, absolutely. I could, I could um, not. <laughs> <laughs> well, Maddie, this has been a really fun chat with you. Um, you know, I, I've said this to you in person, and 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 you know, want to say it here on the podcast as well. Like, you are someone that I clearly, that clearly has inspired me with what I've been doing with Scoped and the other avenues of my band, and it's been a pleasure uh, to be able to a talk with you on this podcast and be yeah. able to do shows and and just like have nothing but literally you know pun intended good vibes when we're together um this is the part of the show where you can shout out people um plug anything you want to or just send some um you know meaningful words uh for the the folks ending this podcast so whatever whatever you want to end on the floor is yours my friend well i think i would first like to give a shout out to you spencer and scoped exposure as a larger entity i think it provides like a tremendous service to the uh uh, hardcore community because you know both big bands but also maybe bands that are playing their first show and maybe break up like a month later are both recorded uh to the same 
level of professionalism and care and attention. And then, like you say, are up for the world to view, you know, mm. the shows I remember seeing as a, a young boy were so colossal in my mind, you know, but there's no video evidence of it, you know, and some bands are live bands, but maybe aren't necessarily recording bands or don't have the access to to uh, the, the recording stuff. So uh, there's no record of how good that live uh, experience was. But the very, very fantastic hardcore that's coming through this province and through Canada and wherever uh, is fortunate enough to have you film it is captured for posterity forever. And I think that that's uh, really, really cool. And so thank you very much for that. I, I think that that's, and for Vibes, we really have appreciated having that uh, uh, video evidence, you know, and use that to be like, oh, well, well, we got shitty recordings, but, you know, we're, this is what we, you'll actually get out of that mm. uh, show experience. Um, yeah, scope out the new Vibes album, please. Baseball Back to the World's End. Uh, for Edmonton residents, still know that that's a, a reference to two spots in Edmonton, giant baseball bat, and then kind of like a, it doesn't exist in the same way, but there used to be a path that just kind of ended in like a cliff and people would hang out there and cause trouble. And now it's like a proper, uh, with a outlook thing and people walk their dogs by and they totally ruined it. But for, you know, <laughs> it sounds like a funny title unless if maybe you're familiar with that. So just a, a point of clarification. But yeah, please check that out. We worked really hard on it. And, uh, you know, if you if you like it or don't like it, I appreciate any feedback. Uh, but, you know, scope it out and read the lyrics. Uh, please, uh, you know, check out Sealed Fade and Eyes Front and False Body. Uh, those are three really, really good hardcore bands at Edmonton. Feeding, Power of Evil, uh, everything you ever loved. My man Justin from Wake Up and Live, like his bands as well. Really, really good. Super good. Check them out. Like Edmonton has heat. You know, people might not know it, but we do definitely got heat. Uh, and then, you know, put on shows, write reviews, go and, and do your thing to support the community. Because that's the fun thing about, you know, getting into punk is if you can be you know, a really reckless, wild individual and challenge, like channel all of that angry feeling into it. And that's cool. And that brings a certain element. Or, you know, maybe in another life, you'd be really into Star Trek, but you actually got into punk instead. So you take on the projects oriented part, you know, something that you can collect records or, or make zines or contribute in a meaningful way. And you, that's another great way to contribute to this stuff. And so I encourage people to get involved in that because it's a gratifying experience to make something and share it with the community and have them be influenced in, in, in one way or the other, you know? So that creative spirit, that's what I, I shout out. And, you know, scope out my bands. I appreciate it. Ch chairman, yeah. chairman as well. We're about to drop a... Uh, a, a single that we wrote, uh, No Bones. We want to get it out to as many people as possible. So we also recorded it in Spanish and Polish. And Oh, wow. Yeah, and then hopefully I can learn to sing it in other languages as well. 
<laughs> so be- well yeah maybe maybe you'll have to apply the same same treatment to to vibes and stuff but that sounds like a feat of its own so if we um, if we write a simpler vibe song with less lyrics yeah 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 then i'll be willing to 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 translate it for for another yeah uh, yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's when you get too complex you know when you're starting to you know unless if you're a fluent speaker you know your, right. your message might get lost but yeah that could be a a, a job you know I like uh, hardcore songs that are kind of almost all crew vocals, you know. Uh, yeah. Crucial Youth has one, Positive Dental Outlook, which is, I think, entirely crew vocals. And I think it's like, you know, fuck yeah. I mean, what else yeah. do you need? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Maddie, all your band's links uh, and, and all the, the links to what you're up to will be in the show notes in the description, obviously. And uh, again, really appreciate you coming on and, and shooting the shit with me. And uh, go listen to new vibes. It's a vibe.